Hi there, professionals. Thanks for joining me on my new exciting podcast series, Industry Insights with me, DPDS. This series will take a look at stories from entertainment industry professionals from all sectors of the industry. It will be compiled with various levels of experience and will really indulge in a journey of their careers and utilize their stories and experience to help influence current professionals in the industry or total newcomers wanting to get into the industry. If you are new here, thanks for joining us. I'm grateful to have you listening. If you enjoy the episode, please consider subscribing connect our community across social media for those that have been here before welcome back here's what we've got in store for you today well hello hello good morning good afternoon good evening wherever you might be in the world and welcome back to industry insights with me dpds another exciting episode today and we are really looking at a different sector of the industry. And I'm really excited to uh, welcome uh, a friend and colleague of mine uh, for the last decade or more. I believe that we know each other. Um, I'm going to welcome to the show costume designer and manager Wendy McPherson Benitez. I think I said that right. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> welcome to the show, Wendy. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's exciting uh, to have something dedicated directly to our industry. It's nice. Yeah, it's really, it's been really exciting. And then we've been, I've been talking to so many different people in the industry and getting their experience and insights. And it, it's been really great. And today I'm really excited because you are a costume designer and you've worked in some fabulous places around the world and designed costumes and managed uh, that. And I'm really looking forward to hearing your insight into everything. Thank you. Yeah. I, so, I hope that I can give some people some insight into this portion of the industry. Yeah, for sure. Well, by your resume, I know that you've got some experience and stories to share, for sure. So let's um, start right at the beginning, Wendy. I want to go back um, and talk about, you know, you've been in this uh, industry and you are a costume designer. Let's talk about your education and training, if you can. Like, where did it all begin? How did you get into wanting to become, you know, a costume designer? And what was your training and education? Well, I, I actually have a bachelor's uh, in textile and design and had originally uh, taken that course load to go into the fashion industry. Um, but with our training, we learned a lot about uh, textile testing and very uh, in-depth uh, coursework in the textile industry. Um, so the Disney had been recruiting one of our, um, one of the people at Disney was a alumni of the program that I studied at and was recruiting from our uh, class. And so I said, Oh, why not that? You know, I love textiles. I love uh, the whole aspect of uh, costumes and uniforms Uh and it wasn't something that I had initially thought of, but I started there. And uh, once I started at Disney, it was like, oh, this is a much different uh, way to go than fashion. You have a little bit more fantasy, a little bit more creativity um, than, right. you know, being kind of 
in the holds of you know the fashion industry where you're, you're kind of uh stifled a bit there so it it was uh, a lucky break to uh end up at disney at the very beginning of my career um and kind of take it in a different direction than it was initially uh thought of going yeah so you studied clothing in texas and that was at because uh, you're from Long Beach, right? So is that California State University? Am I right with that? Yeah, I went to California State University in Long Beach in California uh, in the United States. And nice. it's a very spent, good program. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just spent the last couple of um, years on the Long Beach, uh, out of Long Beach on, on the, the the company I was working for in the ship. And I, I loved it. It was great. And you're so close to, you know, nipping up to Hollywood and all that stuff. For me as a Brit, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It's a great place to live. Uh, it's nice to be back. Yeah, awesome. So you, like you say, you studied and it, was that your goal originally was to work in fashion and you were looking to go down that route? Yeah, my original uh, goal was fashion and I had, uh, I interned at a, at a magazine and um, most of my initial interviews were uh, at some of the uh, like surfwear companies here in the south of Cal Southern California um so they yeah that was how i had initially started and um i worked yeah in a couple small jobs in the fashion industry uh but then the ended up at disney uh by the luck of the draw i guess and uh yeah it, it was um was there for almost 15 years off and on and uh yeah so you became a costumer uh, at disneyland and that was in in california the disneyland there correct disneyland in california yes and i um worked initially as a buyer uh and then um worked into a costuming uh costumer role uh and then uh kind of moved up a little bit there and then i transferred over to uh wdi walt disney imagineering uh, to work on Hong Kong Disneyland. Wow. So just tell us a little bit for anybody listening, that what does a, you know, you started out in the industry and then you went to Disney. What does a role of a costumer entail on a, you know, a day-to-day -day basis? What is the role and responsibilities that you have? Uh, as a buyer initially, when I was there, um, I was purchasing, uh, doing all the purchasing for fabrics, the sewing supplies, et cetera, et cetera, uh, which was a really fun job. And then I moved into costumer, which is uh, basically like um, for a theme park, it would be, uh, I, for instance, I worked on the Fantasmic show um, at Disneyland and in California. So it was my uh, job to make certain that everything looked Disney quality uh yeah. that it was uh always up to par and uh you know redoing costumes that needed a refresher um but then also we we worked a lot on special events where uh i got to do uh dip my toe into the actual design work um where like for instance disney grad nights uh i worked on those uh and i'd get to design or style the costumes for each of the stages 
uh, for the grad nights there uh, and various other projects um, that I did there that were a lot of fun. Um, working on a Disney Divas show and working on uh, a, st a small stage show for Nightmare Before Christmas. Right. And obviously working for such a uh, reputable company, you know, most people in the world know, you know, what Disney is, Walt Disney. Um, what did you, what was the feeling like for you to, to work for a company like that and be able to be creative within that? Uh, you know, how did, how did that feel? Because for me to work for such a, a company that everybody knows is, would be, you know, a great achievement. You know, it's one of those things, I think, looking back on it, uh, you think, oh, yeah, that was a fantastic uh, place to grow uh, because of their reputation and because of their uh, commitment to the quality and to the name. But I believe growing up in Southern California, I think when I first started working there, I took it for granted uh, right. as a, you know, as a place to develop. But as I moved on in my career and left Disney and moved on in my career, I think I really realized the, the quality, um, and, uh, the luck that I had to actually be able to start my career in such a prestigious company and learn and grow so much through that experience. Yeah. And I mean, it must have been a good experience because, I mean, you stayed there for, like you say, like nearly 15 years. So you must have had a great experience there. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, people that are interested in theme parks, like how, as a costumer or working within the, the costume department. How many costumes, I mean, you might not remember, but how many costumes like on a daily basis would the department look after or like you say, do maintenance or be designing like how many shows and costumes and performers are you working with? Oh, at a at a Disney, it's it's a huge number. It's a huge operation. Um, I mean, when you're looking at all of uh, your characters and the shows there, I mean, it could be, I would guess, you know, hundreds and hundreds of costumes per day that are being. Yeah put out into the parks in various forms. Um, so yeah, it's a huge operation and uh, you know, there's, it's a great place to uh, get involved in the costuming industry. Um, if you're interested in that kind of uh, costuming work, it's a great place because you can start out um, uh, in a, in a, uh, dressing kind of role and uh, work up into either management or creative side of uh, the business. Yeah, so it has, has a good career path. And clearly, so you mentioned then, you know, you, you did your uh, 15 kind of years at Disneyland in California, and then you started to work for um, the international side with the Hong Kong Disneyland. How was that? And how different was that from the States? Or is it pretty universal? How did you manage to, you know, um, adapt to being in a, a, a new environment, new culture, new country when it comes to designing costumes and working within costuming? I believe uh, for Hong Kong Disneyland, because it was part of the Disney Corporation, uh, most of, you know, everything was uh, 
looked at from a Disney perspective. Um, so, so, quite, so quite, un quite universal. Yeah, it's quite uh, universal around the world for the product. So, um, uh, you know, it, it, culturally, there were some things, I think, from other parts of the park um, that, that they had a little bit of um, getting used to, uh, how the culture differs from the United States. Um, but for the costuming side of things, um, I think people were just very excited specifically about the characters and, you know, you need to keep consistency there. I do know uh, in prior, like in years after, uh, they did do some overlays uh, that were designed uh, in-house there for like Chinese New Year and some of the holidays that are celebrated specifically in that region. Um, and, uh, yeah, the designer, uh, there's a, a Chinese in-house designer there that does the right. designs for those. And uh, yeah, I think it's fantastic that, uh, they do look at the cultural, um, parts of the industry and, and try to, and that, yeah, and uh, adapt it to the, the adapt, product that. that's, yeah, yeah. So while you were there, like, um, you, you know, you said you're managing aspects of the whole entertainment costume department, like budgets, timelines, uh, the costuming team. Um, when you're looking at budgets, like if anybody, you know, like I say, is looking into costuming or uh, trying to give an understanding of, you know, the sure value of costumes especially at disney like the the product is flawless and you know there's no expense to to detail by the looks of it can you give us a, an idea of kind of what budgeting is like for a, a role within that um company yeah i mean i i also i think this is one of those other places where i i think when i was actually at disney i wasn't so aware of how um I wanted, I don't want to use the word lucky again, but how fortunate we were <laughs> fortunate, to ha yeah. have the budgets that we did. Um, uh, you know, you, you don't really, if you don't know anything different because, you know, having started out my career there, um, uh, yeah, it is uh, looking back on it. You think, Oh, we were very fortunate to have uh, the kind of budgets we did, but um in the course of, you know, costume design, uh, you do have to, like, I think people do have to understand. I, uh, I think there's kind of this misunderstanding that, uh, you know, maybe people just design and they're sitting there sewing the costumes and stuff, but there's a lot of other responsibilities around um, designing a costume. And one of them is budgetary constraints, yeah. uh, whether, you know, even at Disney, where you have a larger budget, you still have to, you know, work within that budget. And, uh, um, you know, you can't make a whole diamond costume, <laughs> even with Disney money. You're like, uh, let's make, a, a, you know, a Tiffany diamond <laughs> dress. <laughs> so, um, you know, so there are a lot of parameters around uh, when you're designing a costume. Uh, as you mentioned, you know, you also have to manage 
teams and manage production. Uh, so um, it is, it is, there is more to the job than just uh, designing something or sitting and sewing uh, a costume. You know, obviously those two pieces are very important to the puzzle, but uh, there's a lot that goes around, you know, you have to think about how, yeah. how it's going to wear on a daily basis, how to wash the costumes. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot involved in the job uh, that I think uh, is not necessarily understood by everybody. Right. When you, before we move on to the next stage of your career, some advice you could give or talk us through the process, like when you are designing a costume, like you, you, uh, you know, be given a task, this is a, a new show or a new project, you need to design a costume. Can you talk us through the actual process from, you know, design concept to, you know, right the way through to showtime and it being open and worn? What is that process like? Well, you, you get the, uh, the concept from uh, the show uh, and you sit down and, and have a discussion generally with the director um, to discuss, you know, the, their idea, their concept, their, um, uh, the direction they want to go with the show. Um, and then uh, generally what I do is uh, pull some research um, on different ideas, uh, uh, whether it's a period piece or a fantasy piece or a uh, modern piece. Uh, I'll look at different research and get some um, inspiration from different mm -hmm. sources. And, uh, and then you also need to discuss um, whether if it's a outside show, then it has different parameters than if you're on a stage and you have lighting, uh, you need to think about how the lighting will affect um, the, whether it's daylight or show lighting, you need to think how is it going to affect the costume um, and also color palettes. Uh, you have to think about, okay, uh, if we have a main person on the stage uh do we want them to stand out from the rest of the crowd do we want the whole crowd do we want them to be revealed later you know so you have to think about how um the shapes and the colors of the costumes uh will bring a character to life or push them into the background um so you look at the whole lineup of characters and decide you know this person needs to be the star of the show but maybe at the beginning they're not really the star so all of this story can be told in the costuming if that makes any sense um yeah through the costuming obviously through their actions and their the dialogue uh the story's told but the costumes actually play a huge role in how the story gets told um, so yeah. those are the kind of things. Oh, go ahead. 
No, so I was saying it's like an ongoing process, right? You might come up with the initial concept and idea, but by the time you get to the end product, it could have changed and evolved so many times depending on those factors that you're talking about. Once you, you know, put it on a performer or you look at it under the lights or it becomes real, you start to think, actually, that doesn't work. And then you kind of have to go back and relook at it or change or alter. So it's an ongoing process, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's an ongoing process. So once we get like all of that, those ideas together, then you put it into a sketch. And even at that point, um, you know, then you get with the director, you sit down and have discussions that sketches generally change, um, sometimes slightly, sometimes drastically. Uh, then once you get all the, the sketches settled, and then uh, you have to uh, then just decide what fabrics everything will be uh made out of and the color palette for each of them uh and then it goes to um bid at a shop um and another thing when you're when you're when i'm designing specifically i think about budgetary restraints so you have to look at you know you ask what's the overall budget going to be you break down the budget and you, you think about that when you're designing you know you'd say okay well uh, if I have this budget, I'm not going to design this huge elaborate thing that's going to take uh, a lot of fabric to make. And, you know, it's, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. you have to think about these things, you know, uh, when, when you're actually designing um, and maybe focus on one, one or two people and then, you know, budget less for the other, the background characters or whatnot. Uh, so that's kind of, and then it goes into production uh, and we make a mock-up uh, of the costume and make all the tweaks to line design uh, proportions. We do all those uh, in a mock-up stage. Uh, then the final costumes get produced. Then we go into fittings with the performers, make sure that they can move properly and that it looks good. You see it under the lights. Um, and then it's opening day. <laughs> yeah. So quite a process. And I mean, a couple of quick, before we move on, I want to kind of ask a couple of questions as a costume designer. Yeah. <laughs> you must come with some challenges. Like sometimes I can imagine maybe say working with the director, it's very easy for director to say, no, this is what I want. Like this is our idea, but you know, logistically or budgeting or costume wise, it's, you know, that's not going to happen. How do you navigate those difficult situations or how do you get the director to buy into like, no, actually this is going to be the right textile or costume <laughs> for the, for this show. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you do get into these difficult uh, situations um, and it's a lot about educating um, and, and sometimes they will, uh, maybe bump the budget up a little bit when you, you know, say, Hey, look, this, this is what you can do at this uh, budget. But if you can give me a little bit more, we can do. Uh, so there is some negotiating. Uh, sometimes, uh, sometimes it's hard and fast. Like this is how much you have. Um, I mean, there have been instances in my career where, you know, I've gone into a presented a budget and, you know, it's uh, or been presented with a budget and with a concept. And it's like those two things are never going to match up. And, you know, you, you sort of have to walk away from the project and say, look, you're, you're never going to get what, that, yeah. 
what you expect for the amount of money that you're you're proposing so you know it's uh, we need to discuss like the idea or you know i i can't put myself in the position to to fail you know so you yeah. do you do occasionally have to walk away but uh but you you do you you have some negotiation and you can say hey look this is what you're gonna get and for the most part uh people are fairly understanding once you educate them on the process and uh how much it takes to get something done they're pretty understanding and can sometimes uh negotiate a little bit more or you can discuss how to uh rein it back in to match the budget a little bit more right because i'm sure you know the paying public or even performers just think like the costumes just materialize this is what they are yeah <laughs> and they forget that this whole like, concept has gone ahead and there's all this thought and budgets and what it is where it was like you know they just expect it to be there and like oh and that's a question for me, like as a performer, you know, I'm sure throughout, <laughs> throughout my career without saying it, but I've, you know, been presented with costumes or try and been like, what the hell is this? Um, <laughs> and not really understanding like the why. Um, but obviously as I grew throughout that, I used to understand that a little bit more. <laughs> Have you had any funny experiences with performers being like, what is this? Like, or, or like acting in a way like... <laughs> I'm not going to wear this because I know performance can be very dramatic. <laughs> oh, I mean, over you're like my too, too decades, many to mention. <laughs> decades long career. I, I mean, for the most part, I, I've had really good experiences with performers um, uh, being very professional. Um, but there are these occasional uh, little times, like oh, one time uh, I was doing a project uh, at Disneyland and there's a whole uh, group uh, like color range of, of uh, costumes. Uh, it's not something that I designed, but it's like a, a color range of costumes. And, you know, you, I have to choose who's going to be in what color. And it depends on like their different sizes. They already existed costumes. And the guy's like, I'm not going to wear yellow. And I'm like, but yellow is the only thing that fits you. <laughs> if you want to <laughs> put on the other color that's much too big for you or the other one that's much too small for you, uh, that he was like, oh, okay, yeah, I understand. <laughs> like, you know, he just kind of, you know, like had this assumption that every color came in every size. And I'm like, this is the only one that will fit you specifically. Right. So, yeah. And I mean, and for... for yeah, and for us as performers, we, you know, we always want to look our best, right? So it's like, exactly, and it's like you know what I know. Yellow might not be your best color, but you know, it's your best fit, and you probably yeah. are going to look better if it fits you than you know really worrying about the color as much. So yeah, you know, the, the the audience doesn't know that yellow is not a good match for you in your personal opinion. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Great. and I've also dealt with, uh, occasionally I've dealt with some uh, performers um, on a specific project who um, were not necessarily used to uh, working with a costume designer. Um, they uh, a different, they just worked in a different way because it was a different nationality in the way that their uh, 
that the way that they dealt with uh, their costumes in the past were more, you know, like we just buy stuff and, you know, do our dance. Yeah. And uh, so it was interesting working with them and, and uh, partly they, like we were doing fittings and they just like they couldn't stand still they were like dancing around and i'm like if you don't keep dancing i'm gonna hit you with a pin <laughs> like um and yeah it was interesting I'd I'd, <laughs> go ahead I'd probably do that on purpose it's like you know give them a little sharp <laughs> <pinch. laughs> yeah it was like can you stand still for one second so i can pin this and they're yeah. like oh but this doesn't fit me and i'm like yes this i this we're doing a fitting now and you know uh, so yeah, that was an interesting group to work with. I really liked them a lot. Uh, but yeah, it was trying to, uh, once again, going back to the education piece, you know, part of our job is to educate, uh, the performers or the directors or the different parts, yeah. other people that we deal with, uh, on a daily basis. Um, has anyone ever, ever cried? <laughs> when they, have you ever had a performer cry with joy or pure hate for what they have to wear? Uh, I have. <laughs> oh, amazing. In the, in the, I don't like it so much, uh, mode, but, uh, yeah, it, I, I mean, they, you, it what, wasn't, it they was, get over, they get over it. Oh yes. They get over it. Uh, it was actually not, uh, it was, a uh, brief cry and it was only, uh, once in my career. Um, I've, I've had performers cry, but it wasn't necessarily 100% because of the costume. So, costume. Yeah. yeah. I remember I worked for this one uh, company and I remember the costume and it was like, we were doing this review show and like the opening number was um, Queen. I think it was Freddie Mercury. And oh, okay. I, I think it was, we, we will rock you. Anyway, the costume was like this um, almost cat suit, but then with like a leotard, pink leotard at the top with like the, the chest was cut out. So my whole chest and like half of my torso was open with this big feather and a big black cape and big black riding boots. <laughs> and I remember like putting it on and thinking like, wow like wow i really made, <laughs> made it and we used to perform this show and i remember, used to remember like i think we were like cruising to amsterdam or something like that and we had like, a lot of like um truck drivers on board i just remember their faces like look at what is happening i always looked like a um you know a fancy cockatoo <laughs> dancing on the stage <laughs> and i just remember being so uncomfortable but i mean you know, hey, it worked. It was fine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it's sometimes things have to be a little bit over the top. <laughs> yeah, it was over the top. And I'm sure if my friends that were on me with that contract listening to this will be uh, howling right now. Uh, okay. um, well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for that uh, journey through the process of designing a costume. Um, you know, from there, you continued with a successful career within within the theme park industry um and you kind of went on to work uh in another country uh, in asia singapore yes um and you were working there at universal studios um and there you were assistant costume manager correct yeah assistant costume manager correct so uh yeah uh when you when you're working specifically uh on openings um one thing that's uh uh 
a little bit different is that at the very beginning of, of opening these theme parks, uh, there's a lot of um, more housekeeping type of stuff that needs to be done as opposed to actual costume design. So uh, uh, this is uh, in my uh long <laughs> illustrious career <laughs> i've opened a lot of theme parks and i really actually love um that experience but uh yeah it's a it's a lot it's it's somewhat tedious when uh you know you have to deal with installing washing machines and making sure the racking is set up and uh you know designing the uh space that you're going to be in to function uh, for a theme park on a daily basis. Because uh, when we go in, it's it's generally muddy uh, construction sites and we have to right. make certain that uh, on opening day that people can uh, have, have their clothes to wear in a way that's easy to deal with. And uh, yeah, so I do, I do like that. It's a lot of fun. Um, but uh, yeah. Th this is where... This is where we we first uh, came in to collaboration. I suppose we were working together at Universal Studios, um, and I was in the Monster Rock show there. And you talk about costumes, and we used to do I think like five shows a day, and it was such a uh, you know a hard show. Within twenty minutes, you know, we used to be dripping with sweat. And yeah. we, I I think in a per day i would go through like three costumes or something like that um you know and times that amount around the actual theme park of all the other performers especially in singapore i know it was inside but for people outside the humidity we would go through so many costumes per day yeah um and that you know that housekeeping alone of, of watching that and i you know the team there was huge and i know you talk about startups i think you developed like a whole new crew of like 50 team to team members to begin with correct yeah we had uh, at that park we had 50 team members to start with and uh yeah and then you have to deal with the training because a lot of times when especially when you're overseas you don't have people that know really anything about costuming um you you when we hire we a lot of times we say okay we, we are going to hire people based on more about attitude and you know willingness yeah. willingness to learn and you know <laughs> how they you know what their work work ethic seems like when you're interviewing them because you basically when you're in especially in the overseas environment there's uh they don't have the experience they don't know they've never worked there's no theme parks for them to have worked at so yeah um yeah you i just remember the the team being um you know for us as performers loved it i mean for, it was for me it was the first time working in asia um at this and at a theme park and i just remember it you know the whole team was so lovely they were so excited yes they might not have had the experience but they were learning and growing and we were just like one big family it was lovely and i still speak to some of those costume the poor ladies that had to spray me green you know <laughs> yeah. five times five times a day and pick up my sweaty uh unitard you know i absolutely you know adore them and love still speaking with them and i think it just created such a great family environment yeah and i believe i mean that's really in my um heart of hearts when I go in to interview people and I, I create 
uh, you know, helped at that point helped to create a team. But, you know, in future projects that I worked on, I was the head of the costuming department. So, you know, putting together a team, I really look for um, people that are going to uh, be hardworking one, but also that are going to be, um, like you said, just really nice to work with, you know, people that uh, have a positive attitude is just the biggest thing is to come in and have a positive attitude. Um, and, you know, we can train people uh, to do the job. Um, I mean, it takes a while to do the training. And like you said, they grew a lot during the time that, that you were working with them as well. Um, but, you know, to have that uh, inner, like, um, you know, personality where you're positive and uh, you're going to, like you said, create a family around the entire group of people, um, that's that to me is setting up a successful department. Um, yeah. And we would laugh so much. I mean, what <laughs> would you say to somebody who was thinking about, you know, or oh, maybe I'll take a job as a costumer or at a theme park, you know, what's the benefits and what, you know, experience will you take away from working at one of these renowned theme parks? Oh, I, I mean, I would, 100% encourage anybody who's who's interested uh, in costuming to look into the theme park world. Um, I, I believe that uh, you learn a lot. Um, it's a, it's a kind of a different uh, place than uh, say um, a movie or a television show because the the way the costuming uh, is done is differently. Like you said, you know you need multiple quantities, uh, the stuff needs to last longer, be a little bit hardier. Uh, so you learn a different set of tools uh, when you're working in a cost, uh, theme park environment. Um, but yeah, I think um, that uh, it's a great place to grow, to learn a lot. Um, and uh, it's, it's just such a, as you mentioned, a family environment uh, everywhere that I've worked. And I mean, I think that was probably instilled with me when I first started at Disneyland. Um, and I think that's carried throughout my career to make the places that I work um, into the same kind of atmosphere where, you know, you have a good time, you laugh, you uh yeah. goof around <laughs> goof around and yes i mean there there can be in our industry some crying <laughs> involved yeah um but yeah you know and support you know i i believe that uh most of the people in the theme park industry are very supportive of each other um uh yeah. So when, you know, the costuming people, the entertainment people, I think we, we're, uh, support each other, um, and are happy for each other's success and, you know, help yeah. each other through, you know, if there's some mishaps or whatever is you just help each other through. And I think that's a yeah. good environment. 
yeah, it was fantastic. I, it's one of my most treasured memories at University of Singapore. Um, and we talk about wardrobe and that, you know, that falls under, you know, uh, hair, wigs, uh, makeup, that all falls under that. And you've got that responsibility as well. And like I say, training of uh, if you are working at a theme park within wardrobe, you will be responsible for those things as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, training uh, and and writing uh training manuals and writing standard operating procedures these type of things uh will fall under us as well um for our specific department yeah it's um but i i do i do like the training portion of uh the job and um getting people excited uh, about doing the work and uh getting excited you know it we don't necessarily, I, I always tell my crews, we don't, we're not necessarily frontline workers. Like we're not out in the public, but we affect uh, how a performer may, like how their day may end up going. So in, yeah, in essence, 100%. in essence, we are out there on the front line and the guests are just so excited always to see shows, to see characters. Um, and, you know, that we are part of that, even though we're not out there witnessing it every day. But if, you know, if we have a bad attitude in the morning towards a performer, then the performer might have a bad attitude. And then they go in turn, go out and give a bad performance that day. That's partly... Yeah. Art. And it's such a close, close relationship. What you're saying, like, I remember for me, my makeup artist, you know, daily, you know, poor, <laughs> poor lady, like 9am in the morning having to spray, spray me. And I just remember we became such good friends. And like, that was my favorite time of the day was literally get into work, you know, clocking, set my station up and then go to makeup and just um, I love her. I'll say her name, Mich- Michelle Tay. Like I just oh, had so yes. much love Michelle for this. Michelle is this, fantastic. This, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this woman. By the end of my contract with her, that she was, you know, she's a lifelong friend and just an amazing woman, and almost <laughs> like a therapist, you know, <laughs> yes. as performer. She would talk to us, and she would really invest in how we were feeling and you know we were up and down and you know we again we were performing in a country you know i'd never been to before 13 months long away from family so there was times obviously that were difficult and i just remember her being just like a mother figure as well as a colleague and friend it was just fantastic and yeah you make uh, such great friends and experiences as a performer traveling the world and working with people from different uh, backgrounds and nationalities is just uh, a highlight of my life, to be honest. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think having worked at numerous uh, theme parks overseas, it, uh, it also broadens your horizons and uh, gives you um, a new perspective, I think, on life. Yeah. It was amazing. So you you did there, and you, like I say, theme park has been uh, then kind of the bread and butter of your career really for for a while. We moved, and then we had another experience together where we set up another theme park in uh, Dubai Parks and Resorts in Dubai, uh, which uh, yeah. had Motion Gate, Bollywood, and Legoland. Again, 
um, creating new ground, you know, never before in the, uh, you had a, a theme park, three theme parks in one. Um, yeah. And you were, you, <laughs> you were leading that, uh, especially for motion gate, uh, wardrobe and costume design there. And again, a different part of the world. Like how do you change your, um, style or managerial style or even working with different nationality is that something that you have to be conscious about or you you just go and this is my product and this is what I do I think for me I mean you have to be sensitive to cultural differences and um, I'm definitely I, I don't think I really change too much um, in my managerial style um, I, I mean, I think uh, around the world, if you're working in entertainment, you know, you, you need to create that kind of family environment and the positive uh, area for everybody to work in. So um, the performers feel comfortable, technicians feel comfortable, um, the stage management feels comfortable with your team. So, but I do think um, uh that you do have to be sensitive to cultural um, differences. Uh, so we, we would talk about it. And that was kind of how I related with the different cultures. Um, I did actually, after Dubai Parks and Resorts, I, I went down to Abu Dhabi and um, had a, a bit smaller team at Warner Brothers World uh, Abu Dhabi. And um, yeah, we would, we would, have you know little gatherings together and we would talk about uh you know because our we i think we had six different uh nationalities on our team uh you know we would just right. have conversations about you know like well how do you guys celebrate this holiday does this holiday mean anything to you how do you you know how do you feel about these types of things and you know it's it's interesting but i think it also builds a camaraderie between you know where yeah you could have division, you know, it's better to have a camaraderie amongst the different nationalities as opposed to uh, building, uh, you know, like having them be divisive, you know, like, oh, well, yeah. we're going to be over here and that nationality is over there. You know, you kind of have to try to make sure that everybody's included and everybody's uh, one uh, big group. I suppose that's, Sorry, Wendy. I suppose that's something that you really have to think about um, when you're designing costumes, right? In different countries and cult cultures, what uh, you know might be acceptable for you know Western country is to a, to a performer and being outside and being whatever exposed or whatever the costume. You have to think about that when you're in different uh, parts of the world, I suppose, when you're designing. Yeah, and that was very apparent. Um in the middle east uh you know you you have to make sure that uh that you're designing towards the the clientele that will be coming to the park um you know it's it's a little bit more conservative there uh, as opposed to uh working previously with american you know products uh where it's a little bit you know more uh open to you know like sleeveless things or this or that so yeah in yeah. the middle east we did have to think about it um 
I do I just uh, remember. I I, rem- I remember that in the Middle East, and I, like obviously we are respecting the culture traditions. But uh, for me, as a performer, being I remember being outside, but being fully clothed was like so hot for us. We were like, but you know, it's something that we had to deal with and, and work with. But just being like, wow, this is like so hot. But yeah, to, yeah. You but know, you... a, na- a native is like this is normal, and we were like dying of of heat stroke. Yeah, but yeah, and you know, we would. I, it, you think about, okay, well, they're going to be outside. Let's give them, you know, like tank top. And, um, uh, oh, uh, that, that's not going to work, uh, in this region. Um, we did, uh, Really, really interesting. It was interesting because we were dealing with Bollywood parks, um, which is, uh, for your international, uh listeners is is a park that's based on um uh indian dance uh and the bollywood films and um they tend to have uh sleeveless a lot and midriff showing so yeah we had some requirements there where we we got away with in the end at least having something nude underneath um Right. Uh, but it was some negotiation with the uh, the locals about how far we were allowed to uh, push the envelope because, you know, we want it to look authentic to the Bollywood dance uh, ideas and ideals um, and, you know, their, cult- their culture. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you don't want to offend the... Um, other clientele who might come to the park who who might be a bit offended by the the waists being shown or the shoulders being shown so we were actually able to get away with a uh uh, a nude piece underneath which uh, initially it was we were told that it had to be a colored piece underneath and um so you know at least yeah we did some some back and yeah, forth so many... and we're able to get to the place we wanted to be. <laughs> yeah. So many, you know, variants that, that you have to think about that we take for granted or maybe the guest or audience takes it, you know, for granted that all these things have happened to get to this stage. So yeah, very interesting. So yeah, like I said, you mentioned then that you went on to be a senior costume manager for Warner brothers and that was still within the UE and you've just recently moved back to, to the States, um, you know, talking about your career and, you know, you spent such a long time working for really established companies, uh, very reputable companies. Has there uh, been a hurdle in your career that you've, you know, has been a challenge and, you know, or there's something that's cropped up and how have you overcome that? Um, I, I would think that the, um, the probably the biggest thing was when I was in college in my specific uh, um, st- line of study, we didn't, uh, we weren't taught how to sketch. So um, I basically what I uh, feel um, just in general, that lifelong learning is a something that everybody should aspire to, you know, like just constantly be, learning new skills and learning how to do new things. So, uh, yeah, when I started to design more, um, 
then I started to take some sketching classes and then I started, I took some illustration classes, then I took fashion illustration and then things went over to digital. So I took some classes on how to use the digital format uh, for sketching. So uh, yeah, I think that's, that was one of the things. Um, one of the other things is when I initially started uh, straight out of college, um, I think that I got, uh, you know, I was quite young, straight out of college. And uh, um, I think I did have to work quite hard to uh, prove myself. Um, and uh, yeah, there was just this idea that, you know, oh, you're young, we have to teach you this and that. And it's like, you know, Mm. trying to overcome that that stigma of being the young new one when you're at a company for a very long time there's a point where you just you're like well i'm past being the young new one there's a lot of young new ones <laughs> yeah. that are younger and newer than me uh that was a bit right. of a struggle at the beginning of my career but uh you know it, it how did that, it was how did that change how did that change though wendy like where was there a pinnacle moment where that did change and that feeling went away and you were suddenly not that you know young you and anymore i think that i think actually it was a restructuring uh of the department uh and then you know then i wasn't really looked at as the young new person anymore because there were uh quite a few people below me and then the structure changed and i uh was put into a different position um and i think that's when it kind of, uh, you know, it, it changed a bit. Um, but, you know, it was just also hard work and proving myself that, you know, I, you know, I've been doing this for a while now and I know what I'm doing. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's key, right? There's always going to be somebody or myself or whatever company you join when whatever time you join in life, you know, you'll always be that new person. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. It's just a, just a universal feeling of being that but you know just believe in yourself and your worth and your work and you know you you'll be able to succeed yeah yeah uh I, yeah i think that's it's just uh being confident in in what you're doing uh then that that i think that kind of rubs off onto other people yeah well a few quick questions before i let you go okay um, it's been so great great listening to all of your stories um for anybody that's interested in you know becoming uh, a costumer or working within textiles or even fashion um what what resources are there out there for people looking to study you know costuming or textiling fashion uh, that have helped you along the way um i i would Definitely say um, that schooling is very important, um, getting the education. Um, and uh, there are a few, um, I think now in the more digital age, uh, I think as you've been, as we've been talking, you're probably aware that at the beginning of my career was not the digital age. <laughs> um, <laughs> During the now in the digital age, I think there's a lot of forums um, on Facebook and LinkedIn that you can get a lot of advice uh, through. Um, uh, there is a costuming network uh, on Facebook that I do. You know, we we see a lot of people 
um, that are up and coming that, you know, ask questions or comments and everybody's very uh, um, generous with uh, their information towards the people. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, not a competitive place. It's, it's very uh, nurturing uh, place. I believe it's called the costuming network on Facebook. Um, So I think places like that, um, uh are good to for yeah, people I think that are online there's there's so much now right online wendy you can just kind of find everything you need and reach out to anybody these days and get that um mentor mentoring or advice or look for different avenues to to best help and you know start you off yeah so i i would say to join some of those linkedin groups and uh facebook groups and you know ask uh, don't be shy to ask questions um if you're interested in specific programs uh uh i'm sure people you know can give you advice as to what what would be the best for what you're um looking to study yeah quick fun questions before i let you go okay um, I, th- I think i mean i think they're fun you might <laughs> uh what's your uh favorite fabrics to work with or textiles what's your favorite thing to work and design a costume with i really love the two-tone fabrics uh they're difficult to find now but i really i i find them quite fun uh, they, you know, they, when they change colors, when the performer moves, I, I just find them, um, to be like, if I can try to, uh, put them into a design, uh, yeah, I, I try. Yeah. And, and also what we call, it's called ball fringe, but (laughs) growing up, we always called it dingle balls. I, I love, (laughs) I know that's probably not a good term for them, but ball fringe. I love ball fringe. If I can ever work that into something, I'll, I'll try to do that as well, but it's not as, I'm I'm definitely going to look, look up dingle ball with ball fringe after this on Google (laughs) and see what images come up. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's fun, but it's not, it's not universally a good design piece to put into things. When I bring you, uh, if I ever uh, create a show, I'll uh, tell you that I want dingle balls uh, for my costumes. (laughs) Brilliant. Fabulous. What's the most, (laughs) what's the most difficult material to work with? Oh, um, I would say things like, I mean, it, I know it sounds funny, but when we have to deal with things like plastics, um, like a PVC, uh, like we just did a, um, a, snow, a snow globe made out of clear PVC, um, those are just yeah. difficult to uh, maneuver and, and stitch and seam things together. Uh, they're difficult to work with. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm just thinking of like Britney, Britney Spears, PVC catsuit, red. That's kind of what I had in my mind right there. <laughs> yeah, they're very. Dif- that's very difficult uh, fabric to try to maneuver, but it's it ends up in some really fun uh, final products. Yeah, what would be your favorite show or favorite? You know, whether that be theater or t- television, to to work on and design costumes for if you could go back and be on the startup of that what what would it be hmm 
I do like um, the Tim Burton films and that style. Uh, yeah. Is, yeah, you know, amazing. Close, close. yeah, it's just the interesting, you know, details and, and a bit strange construction on some of those pieces. I, I yeah, I do love the uh, specific look of his films. Yeah, he has great looks. Um, all right, quickly, um, for our fashion fans out there, do you have a favorite fashion designer? Oh, at the moment, um, I mean, I have a lot, but at the moment, let me think. Who's your favorite? Mm-hmm. I mean, I like, I liked Prada, but that was the maybe like ten years ago. Prada. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, there's an interesting designer that's doing this three-dimensional work, and I can't remember their name, but they they do a lot of uh, body contortion, and you know, so they make it, they're they're more fantasy, almost costuming type of costumey type of pieces. Uh, but unfortunately, okay. I can't at the moment remember their name. But yeah, they they contort the figure in very odd and unusual and sometimes grotesque ways, but I find it quite interesting and, and beautiful. Nice. I'll have to try on a piece of their outfit and walk down the street. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, well, Wendy, thank you so much. Um, I just, you know, to sum everything up, if you could in just a few words, you know, something you wish you'd known before you started in the industry or advice you would give to somebody wanting to start within the entertainment industry and, you know, specifically uh, the costume world, uh, what advice would you give? I would say uh, it's, it is definitely hard work, but it's a lot of fun and stick with it. Uh, I think sometimes uh, the work is hard and, and people might, frustrated or uh you know it just stick with it it, it gets it it gets uh to be a really fun career over the many many years that i've done it uh yeah it's it's really fun and rewarding um so yeah yeah you know stick through the hard parts and and you'll have a great great career yeah. And just look, you know, we've just spoke with Wendy for, you know, an hour of all the places she's been in the world, traveled and experienced, you know, that's all out there uh, as part of this career and, and kind of the world is your oyster. Um, so thank you, Wendy, for sharing your experiences and stories. It's been great and I'm sure very insightful to everybody that is listening. Um, so thank you so much um, I hope I get to cross paths with you again in the near future and I'm wishing you all the best back in America because you've not been there for a while now you're back <laughs> yes. in your, your, your home home state and home city so yes. good luck with everything um, thank you so much for joining me on Industry Insights and you take care thanks Darren thank you for having me it was fun take care thanks Wendy bye bye Thanks again for joining me on Industry Insights with DPDS. It's been a pleasure having you. We will see you next week for our next episode where I'll be interviewing more entertainment industry professionals sharing their stories. Until then, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, 
and all the links will be provided in this podcast. Until then, enjoy your morning, afternoon or evening and most of all, stay safe.